I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For obvious reasons, we keep this place as gloomy as possible. Welcome to Mind Poppers Podcast. We are as a people, inherently and historically, opposed to secret societies. Once you get used to these grim surroundings, you'll never leave. Nobody ever does. We continue now with tonight's case, Conspiracy. Now, now, listen. Welcome back to the Mind Poppers Podcast. Welcome back to part two of our second installment in the Stop the Press series. Now, this next story, okay, we'll dive straight into it, is entitled Oil Rigger, Gold Digger. And this story is sent in by Sue Mitchell, who is 55 years old. As I looked at the face gazing out from my computer screen, I felt my pulse quicken. A pair of piercing eyes met mine, and I thought, Wow, he's absolutely stunning. He was a stranger to me, but he'd spotted a picture I posted on Facebook of my new home and sent me a message. It read, Hello, I've always wanted to visit Scotland. Such a beautiful place. His name was Kim, and I messaged him back to thank him. Before I knew it, we were chatting away. Kim told me he lived in America with his daughter and her two children and worked as an engineer on the oil rigs. Like me, he was divorced. We kept messaging, and as the weeks passed, our chats progressed to phone calls. I think I've met someone special in you, I do, Kim told me. I felt the same way. One day he sent me a video of a helicopter landing, explaining that it was him arriving on an oil rig. And next day he pinged over a picture of him working out in the rig gym. He looked so muscly and manly. Most of our chats were us sharing our news. But one day Kim rang me through WhatsApp and said, I don't suppose you can send me a £50 Google Play card? He explained he needed one to run his computer program, but he had forgotten to pack it. It was only £50, so I bought one, scratched the numbers off the back and sent him a photo so he could upload it to his computer. Again, 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 again. I mean, we've done this before. We've been on this journey before when it comes to these stories, okay? And you have to ask yourself, how are people so stupid? But again, these people exist. People are really are that stupid. It was only £50. So I bought one, scratched the numbers off the back and sent, it to, sent him a photo so he could load it onto his computer. Kim was staying on the oil rig for a month and he called me every day. He sent me songs, then he'd ring and we'd sing them to each other. <laughs> I really care about you, he said. After four years of loneliness, I felt I'd finally met my soulmate. But one day he called. 
sounding upset. There's a broken part in the rig that my company is meant to pay for, he said. I've tried to pay, but my bank account is frozen. Oh, I said. Any chance you can help, Queen? (laughs) Any chance you can help, Queen? He asked, using his nickname for me. (laughs) My God, ditto, we have the same nickname. (laughs) I've also been called that. (laughs) The new part cost £1,095. But Kim said he'd pay me right back. Again, it's this be- this dumb biatch. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, okay? One, you're sending him a Google Play card voucher, which one, I mean, it should be alarm bells enough, okay? It's like a, the currency of scammers. Two, now you, <laughs> now you are paying to repair an oil rig, okay? The new part cost £1,095. But Kim said he'd pay me back. So I said, all right. He gave me the details for his assistant in America and I called my bank and arranged to transfer the money over the phone. They asked me security questions. Did I know this person? Could it be a scam? Of course it wasn't. I loved Kim. But a few days later, something else went wrong on the rig. Again, Kim's bank account was frozen. This time, the cost of parts was 3 thousand pounds. By now, Kim and I had talked about how we'd be together and start a new life, so I sent him the money. But then something else happened. A few days later, I woke up to a video on WhatsApp that left me shocked. It showed a massive wave hitting an oil rig. Kim called and said, there's been an accident. Breathlessly, he explained, oh sorry, There's been an accident. Breathlessly, he explained a metal structure on the rig had fallen and injured him. (laughs) My assistant will ring you, he said. He sounded in terrible pain. Oh, fuck's sake. My my assistant will ring you, he said. He sounded in terrible pain that startling sounded like constipation. A few moments later, his assistant called with shocking news. Kim's injury was so bad he needed an operation, but he didn't have the medical insurance to pay for it. The surgery would cost £6,000. It was a lot of money, but I had some savings from selling my house after my divorce. So I called my bank and transferred the money. Mm-mm-mm, dumb, dumb biatch. After the operation, Kim called me. Thank you, Queen, he said. When all this is over, we'll tour Scotland and Ireland together. I love you. I couldn't wait for us to be together. But a day passed, then two days, and then two weeks. And I didn't hear from him again. I was frantic with worry. I called and sent messages, but there was no reply. I feared the worst. Something's terrible's happened, I thought. Then out of the blue, he finally rang me again. I had a problem with my phone, Kim said. I missed you. I was so relieved he was okay. In the weeks that followed, we discussed him coming to the UK, and he said... 
we can get married? We talked about wedding locations, venues and even rings. I was so happy that when he asked me again for money, I sent it. Finally, he was able to get off the oil rig and flew home to New Jersey where he lived. He sent me the address and I googled it. It was lovely. But a few hours later, Kim rang with yet more bad news. I'm in jail, he said. What? I cried. Jail, he said. (laughs) Someone planted drugs on me and I got stopped at the airport. Oh my God, I gasped. I need money to pay my bail, he told me. Over the last few months, I'd paid out thousands. But this time, I heard myself say, I don't have any more money. There was a pause on the line. Then Kim said, What? I don't have any left. I don't have any more money left, I repeated. But I'll have to do a month in jail, Kim said. His voice sounded angry, and I had an uneasy feeling. Oh, he sounded angry. But I'll have to do a month in jail, Kim said. His voice sounded angry, and I had an uneasy feeling. I don't have any cash left. Sorry, I said. I put down the phone feeling sick. There was something about the tone of Kim's voice that made me feel uncomfortable. And the story about being in jail sounded so dramatic. Unreal, even. (laughs) Now, now she decides to wake up. I began to have a terrible sense of dread. So I talked to my friend about it. Her husband was a whiz with computers. Okay, I'm going to try to do this in a Northern Irish accent. How do you how do you do Northern Irish accent again? How you doing? How are 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 you doing? Ah, we'll have to do a reverse Google image search, she said. She explained you could put photos into Google and search for them in reverse to see what it was and where it came from. I gave her Kim's details and photos. A day later, she came over to my home in Agril and Butte. You might want to shut down, she said. I knew then that it was bad news. And I was right. It turned out the handsome man I was in love with had come up on the Google search. Not once, but thousands of times. But he wasn't called Kim. His name was Kevin. And he was a famous fitness model. He had over 170,000 followers on Instagram, which I didn't use. And she showed me some images. The room spun. He was everywhere. On covers for romantic novels, on calendars, on Instagram. Semi-nude, shirtless, chopping wood in check shirts. He was not, however, working on an oil rig. How did I not know? I wailed. My friend hugged me. You trusted him, she said. But then I stopped crying and froze. If this was his picture, then who's been calling me? I said. I was about to find out. That night, Kim called. It took every ounce of strength to pretend I didn't know. I need £2,000 to get out of jail, he said. (laughs) 
apparently it was a maritime jail. <laughs> I need 2,000 pounds to get out of jail, he said. Can you sell your car? I put the phone down. Later, he called again. I've something to admit to you, he began. I'm not who you think I am. I stole those photos I scammed you. He admitted everything. He told me he used the photos to trick me, and that he was an American. He was in Ghana. Then he said, But I've fallen in love with you. I may have scammed and lied, but I fell for you. No one ever cared for me like you. I hung up. And you know what? Here's the thing. <clears throat> Here is the thing. You see this time, time again. Okay. When when these people, when these people get caught out in their scams, they do come clean. Okay. And it's like the second act of the scam. And a lot of people fall for it because they come clean. And it's kind of a thing of like, I'm so sorry that I did this to you. And it's just so crazy because in doing this to you, I had to stop because I fell in love with you and I couldn't, and I couldn't, you know, bear to live with myself with the thought of hurting you anymore. And a lot of people, a lot of these people actually do fall for the second act of the scam. And you know what? Hats off to him. Hats off to him for going to, for not giving up, you know, for not giving up. It's tenacity. Um, and as we'll find out in this next line, um, I hung up. By now, I'd sent him £33,000. And you see, that's the thing, you know? Like I said, if I knew that this was all going on to this extent, I, for the whole of COVID, I would have done nothing but scam the elderly. Fact. I would have spent the whole, it's that COVID payment, I would have been doing that and scamming the elderly. Um, You know what? By now, I'd sent him £33,000. So I went to the police and the banks, but there was nothing anyone could do without Kim's real name and address. The address in America did exist, but was owned by someone else. Everything was a lie. Finally, Santander gave me 12,000 back. Santander is one of these British banks. But the other banks refused, saying I knew the risks. Then out of the blue, Kim rang again. I want to live with you, he said. Can you send me some money to apply for the visa? I couldn't believe the cheek and blocked him. Now I'm raising awareness so other women don't fall for the same scam. I've learned that oil rigs are always a red flag, but many scammers say they're surgeons. At the time, I'm also, at the time, I'm also grieving for the man I loved. I thought I had a future with Kim. But he never existed. <laughs> Again, and I know we covered a similar kind of scamming story in the last episode of, uh, in, in the first edition we did of Stop the Press. But again, it never, ever, ever, it, it just never ceases to amaze me how people buy into these scams. And look, I imagine the majority of people listening to this podcast are you have of a certain age, you know, probably not a whole lot of listeners in their 50s and above. Shout out. But you know what? You just take it for granted growing up in a generation where you are that, I guess, digital literate, you know? Whereas, you know, the kind of thing where like, I mean, my mother has countlessly sent me 
a WhatsApp where you could win like a hundred euro from Cadbury every Easter. And it, it, clearly a scam, you know, clearly a scam. But she sends it every time. And older people, okay, not all, but the majority, they lack a certain digital awareness when it comes, like that we took for granted because a lot of us grew up you know, in that in that digital age. We were like the first generation to grow up in that era. So what we take for granted is, you know, what you would easily spot as a scam or something's fishy. A lot of these people didn't were not in the trenches, okay, with us back in the day. Like Bebo and what have you, MySpace, all that. People weren't doing it back then, like MSN and all that. A lot of these people are new to the digital age. And it just blows my mind how these people can be so scam illiterate you know but it makes for an interesting story so I'm grateful for that and again you know doing these accents I just kind of like let the accent flow naturally obviously kind of like three quarters way through the story we found out that this guy was from Ghana now I don't know how willing willing I am to push the boat and do my my Ghanan my Ghananian my Ghana accent um I think that could be the one that gets me cancelled for good uh, I'm also been working on a really good Indian accent. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the thing is, right? Is it is it offensive of me to not do those accents in the name of equality? Should I be doing all accents? I guess we'll see. <laughs> now, continuing deeper into the latest issue of Vest Life, we hear from Nat. Okay, title Lovesick. Nat was laid up in hospital. Then her fella's visit started tailing off. So where was he sticking his thermometer? <laughs> There's someone downstairs for you, Nat, the receptionist said down the line. He says he's got a package for you. I was busy working and hadn't been expecting anything, but went to investigate. When I got to reception, I clocked the bloke who was standing there. I burst into giggles. <laughs> <laughs> he was waving a carton of milk at me. So that's your package you've got for me, is it? I teased. You got my hopes up there. Well, you did say you'd run out, Brian giggled. I thought I'd treat you. Brian and I had not long met on a dating site and had been messaging constantly since. I told him I'd run out of milk for my break time coppa. But the last thing I expected was for him to turn up with some. True, other girls might have thought it was a bit over the top, but I loved that he actually listened. Brian came across as thoughtful and sensitive, not like the other losers I chatted to online. We started dating. One year in, I was smitten. He got on with my kids too. All loved up, we decided to move in together. I can't wait to make this place a home, Brian said. Already I've forgotten the accent that I was doing. So, <laughs> Lugging the last of our boxes into the new flat. More like you can't wait for me to tidy up after you. I joked, playfully throwing a cushion at him. Truth was, I'd never been happier. And we soon talked about getting married. But there was a spatter in the works. Not long afterwards, he sat me down and admitted he hadn't been long separated from his wife. 
who he had two young children with. Why didn't you tell me sooner? I shrieked, totally floored. Brian looked gutted. I didn't want to put you off, I suppose. He whimpered, or he whimpered. I didn't want to put you off, I suppose. He whimpered. I loved him and decided I wouldn't let it change things. Still, I kept asking myself, if he can keep that big a secret from me. <laughs> no, that's certainly not the accent I was doing for her. I think I entered it with kind of was doing a little Northern Irish thing that maybe descended somewhere Scottish. Um, okay. <clears throat> I didn't want to put off, I suppose, he whimpered. I loved him and I decided I wouldn't let it change things. Still, I kept asking myself, if he can keep that big a secret from me, what else can he do? Since I was a teenager, I had issues with my mental health. And after Brian's bombshell admission, my all anxieties and depression came flooding back. I'm not going anywhere, love, Brian said one morning, pulling me into a hug when he caught me crying before work. You could tell he meant it, but my brain was wired to expect the worst of people. After suffering an actual seizure brought on by stress, I went to my GP for help. Eventually, it was suggested that, for the sake of my mental health, I needed a short stay in hospital. It seemed drastic, but I didn't care. I had to do what I had to do to get better. I'll visit you every day, Brian promised when I was admitted for a two-week period of rest and recovery. And he was true to his word. How you getting on? He asked, concerned. But I'm actually going to pop a vein. <laughs> or shit myself. <clears throat> he asked, concerned, when he popped in to see me one evening. Better, thanks, Bri. I smiled as he popped some magazines down in the side table for me before perching on the bed. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's good to see you, I continued. Everything okay? We hadn't been chatting long when Brian glanced at his watch. Odds but to get to going, he blurted out, suddenly standing up and grabbing his coat. Don't want to get in trouble with the nurses. There was still plenty of visiting hours left, but I was so taken aback, I just nodded. Then he did the same thing the next night, and the night after that. It rankled. 
but I was just grateful for the company, and Brian's flyby visits were the highlight of my day. Yet, when I was discharged a fortnight later, I was still struggling. The hospital environment only made my anxiety worse, and it felt good to be back at home with Brian. So I tried my best to settle back into her old life. A couple of months later, Brian was up late one night playing video games with friends online. He was draining beer after beer, so I had it to bed alone. I won't be much too longer, love, he called as I padded into the bedroom. Climbing under the duvet, I drifted off to sleep as soon as my head hit the pillow. But then I woke up at 4am, rolled over, and instead of feeling Brian, I felt a cold patch of bed. What's he doing? I thought, swinging my legs out of bed and heading to the living room. When I found him snoring on the sofa, the PlayStation controller chucked on the floor, I realised he'd simply crashed after having one too many. I was about to leave him to it when suddenly his phone flashed with a text. Who's messaging at this time? I wondered. Then I saw my name mentioned in the text, so I couldn't resist a sneaky peek. He still had the same password, so I clicked into the message. It was from someone called Alison. And what I saw made me want to heave. She'd written, There's a special connection between us, but I know how you feel about Natalie. Hands trembling, I scrolled through their message history, and it was clear they'd been boinking. As I stared at the phone, I bit back tears. Don't know how you do that. From what I could, from what was said, you could tell she's she was someone he'd come across through his maintenance job. Now it all came back to me. Brian had talked about her while I was in hospital. I remember feeling annoyed that he kept mentioning her, but with the state I was in, I'd let it go. No one's here to rush off from the hospital visits. I thought he was too busy playing doctors and nurses with his floozy. While I was laid up in bed poorly, he was busy laying her. Furious, I shook the rat awake. A <laughs> rat is right, girl. Furious, I shook the rat awake. What the hell is this? I shrieked. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What the hell is this? I shrieked, thrusting the phone under his nose. His eyes widened in shock. When did you sleep with her? I screamed. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) When you were in hospital, he admitted sheepishly, staring down at his slippers. Well, you definitely weren't getting any bed rest, that's for sure. I shot back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't mean for it to happen, he babbled, reaching for my hand. I was upset that you were ill. I was heartbroken and no amount of um stories was going to ta- was going to make me all better. Then, not long after, I found out I was pregnant. I couldn't afford to move out and then lockdown hit. We were forced to stay together. I struggled to forgive him and the only bit was when I finally gave birth to our gorgeous boy. But the trust was well and truly gone. And we split shortly afterwards. Now, we're still in touch for the sake of our son. But I'll never forgive.
or forget. I was ill and needed Brian more than ever. But while I was in a hospital bed, he was betting a floozy. I just hope she was worth it. That story is from Natalie Bates, 38, Ipswich. Uh, now, they do also have a, a further comment from Brian, Representative Didrich out to Brian, um, and he had this to say. It wasn't the best experience for Natalie or herself. It was stupid behaviour, to be completely fair. The other lady was a shoulder to cry on. Now, look, I don't want to come off as a woman hater here, okay? But you have to remember, I can see the photos in these magazines in front of me as I'm going into these stories. And I do have to say that Natalie does look like a wreck the head. She looks like she'd bleed and wreck your head. So I don't know about this one, okay? I may be, uh, I may be Team Brian. Now, as this affair did um, take place while this um, Nat was in hospital, I did a little uh, research, right? So I was on the, the Medical Economics Journal and they were doing basically a survey amongst medical professionals about fidelity rates and this kind of a thing, right? So a couple of different areas, just for you to watch out for. Okay, so apparently orthopedic surgeons, right? They have great appetites for sex and are not easily satiated, right? So apparently 20% of them claim to have sex more than 10 times a month. Uh, compared to a typical specialist who they say has sex around six times per month, right? But it is possible that at least a few of those sexual encounters are with people other than their spouses, right? So this survey that was done recorded 18% of orthopedic surgeons admitted to having had an affair, okay? Um, That's twice the rate of pediatricians and almost three times the rate of radiologists, right? Anesthesiologists, they're even less satisfied than orthopedic surgeons and almost as adventurous outside of marriage, right? So at 15%, they rank just under 15% of anesthesiologists are having an affair or have had an affair. Um, Only 9% of pediatricians have had an affair. Um, and then the lowest that we have recorded on this survey is radiologists. Radiologists are coming at the very end. Only 7% of them have had an affair. Now, I know we can't do a whole lot with statistics, but what, what I'm more interested right in this area, right, since these doctors are clearly not opposed, many of them, to having um, affairs. I think it's like one in eight physicians are having an affair these days, which I think, which is... Um, Actually, the level of fidelity has increased amongst these medical professionals because going back, I think it was like 1979, I could be wrong on that, but in 1970s anyway, one in four physicians, according to this medical economics journal, were admitting to having an affair. One in four. But my question is, what I'm interested in is, because we've talked about this before, but working in like hospitality and blah, 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 like if you've worked in the hotels, you know what goes down. On, in these hotels, on these staff nights out, you know that hotels are a breeding ground for affairs, you know, everyone's fucking and sucking, drugs, you name it. Everything goes down in a hotel. But what I obviously I've no prior experience in the medical field, you know, whether it be like nurses, doctors, you know, whatever the receptionist in that hospital environment so what I would love if someone listening who you know did have experience working in these kind of areas 
and maybe also had experience working in hospitality, like a hotel or what have you, if they could reach out, okay, all anonymous, and let me know if there is this kind of atmosphere going on in a hospital as well. Because like, obviously, like hospitals, this kind of a thing, it's not your typical work environment. It's high stress, you know, similar, you know, high stress to like working in these hotels, you know, stress of lack of B, obviously the job is very different. But I'm wondering if these high stress environments where you're working with all these people, does that lay the foundation for this kind of promiscuous sex affairs adultery a little bit of drugs um so anyone who has worked in that kind of medical professional field no matter what their capacity was in there please do reach out and let us know if all of this sexy stuff is happening in a hospital near us now anyway moving right along uh, in our deep dive into that's life our next story is entitled dom Estic goddess. Desperate housewife Elizabeth was trapped in a life of drudgery. drudgery. Then she discovered a saucy hidden talent. Okay, I'm looking forward to finding out what the talent is. Now, for this one, I think I'm going to try to do, because I want to like try to do an accent. I want to think about an accent before I go into it, instead of having to think about it on the spot. Because that often leads me down an Indian road, um, and it's hard to come back from that. So I'm thinking, I did an online class recently where we learned how to speak like Miss Piggy. Um, so I'm going to try some of those warm-ups and see if I can get into that Miss Piggy voice. Um, because I know that's the real reason that you're here. <laughs> uh. 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 Oh, Kermie. Did you get those roses for me? For moi? Hello. Okay. <laughs> and Miss Piggy's in the room. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> God. Okay, on with the show. Scrubbing the dishes, I realized my husband would be home in a few hours. There's still so much to do. I fretted. I wiped down the kitchen surfaces and began the laundry. I was exhausted, but had to make a start on dinner too. I was only young but I felt as if I was trapped in an endless cycle of domestic drudgery. I can't do this anymore, I sighed. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) My husband of four years did nothing around the house, and I had to cater to his every need. Pushing me, pushed to my breaking point, I sat him down. I'm sick of this life, I said. I want a divorce. Aged 23, I felt free again. I'd always been feisty growing up, especially with my parents and friends, with my parents and friends. And now I wondered if I could take it a step further. I felt it was my turn to be the dominant one after years and years of being downtrodden. Scrolling online, I found a dating website for people with fetishes and kinks. It was something I mulled over but never been brave enough to try. Excited, I joined a chat room and began messaging strangers. After the boredom of housework, it gave me such a thrill to boss others around. I began going to parties and dived into the world of BDSM. Instead of ironing and 
darning, whatever the fuck darning is. Instead of ironing and darning, I was now a dab hand at spanking, whipping, and clamping. I loved having power over people. It turned me on sexually and mentally too. By day, I worked in computing, but only close colleagues knew about my X-rated double life. <clears throat> if you don't bring me that file, I'll get my leather whip out, I would joke. <laughs> One day, I plucked up the courage to tell my mum about my saucy sideline. Mum! 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 There's something you need to know! I began, slowly going into a Yoda. <clears throat> I'm a dominatrix. To my surprise and relief, she wasn't shocked. She just accepted my lifestyle. Time passed and one day I got a message from a feisty woman called Misty. Your profile's fascinating, she'd written. I'm a sub and I'd like to get to know you. I quickly typed a reply. I got collared, collared after I messaged you, she wrote back. That's a collar as in like a dog collar. That meant that she was committed to another dominant, who I learnt lived abroad. I'm transgender, she confided. But that didn't bother me. I can take photos of you for your mistress, and she's so far away, I offered. Misty loved the idea and sent me her details. I then messaged her mistress for permission. Later that week, Misty came over to my place. She was gorgeous, slim with long brown locks. I began taking photos of her, but midway, Misty received a call and looked distraught. My grandma's in hospital, she said, her eyes welling with tears. I put the camera down and consoled her. After Misty left, I kept checking on her, and a week later, she told me her grandma had passed away. Will you come? Will you come? <laughs> Will you come to the funeral with me? She asked. Oh, okay, okay. You guys met online on some BDSM shit, like met once to take photos, okay, for her master. And now you're going to the funeral with her, okay? That'll tell you, okay, what you need to know about these people. <clears throat> Will you come to the funeral with me? She asked. She needed a friend. So I agreed, after checking with her mistress first. Then I drove Misty to the funeral, which was several hours away. The bitch wanted a lift, okay? The bitch needed a lift, is what it looked like. Then I drove Misty to the funeral, which was several hours away. I felt a protective urge towards her. On the journey home, as Misty and I chatted, I realised I had feelings for her. We hadn't even had sex, but the bond we built was so strong. I feel as if I've known you for years, I said. I feel exactly the same, she replied. Only I couldn't interfere with the contractual agreement. Composing a message to Misty's dumb, my stomach tied in knots. I'm getting feelings for Misty, I wrote. Thankfully, they were okay with it, as the same-sex marriage wasn't yet legal where I lived. I took Misty to a pet oh. <laughs> I took Misty to a pet shop instead. 
and bought her a pink rhinestone collar with a bell on. Okay, so yes, the <laughs> as same-sex marriage wasn't legal, I took the fucking pig to a pet store. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Don't get me wrong, I think BDSM stuff, very hot, very hot. You're mine now, I announced. You're my wife and my property. Misty nodded. After that, Misty did everything I said around the house. Now, you see, hurt people hurt people is the message I'm getting here. You are inflicting the same uh, drudgery and the mundaneness that was driving you mad from your fucking layabout fat arse husband who had you doing everything and now you're doing the same to this girl Misty. Okay? Um, I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> Clean the dishes, I ordered. And after that, you can start on the loo. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a sicko. What a sicko. You see, I told you, hurt people, hurt people. <clears throat> Anything you say, she replied. She carried out her chores while partially tied up. And in the bedroom, she wasn't allowed to climax without my permission. But as our feelings grew stronger, we had romantic encounters too. However, she'd agreed to carry on being polyamorous, so I continued having my old sexual partners. Sometimes I had a male visitor while Misty was in the cage downstairs, listening. Definitely not your average weekend. But it was all part of the fun. Soon, Misty, who also worked in computing, was offered her dream job. I was so proud and realised how much I loved her. I don't, I don't want to leave you, she wept. You're taking it, I demanded, and I'll come with you. So I packed up my house and followed Misty there. The next year, same-sex marriage was legalised, so Misty and I entered domestic partnership. Over the years, we continued sleeping with our friends in the BDSM community, including a guy called Sebastian. I noticed there was a connection between him and Misty. Sebastian? Ah. Uh. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. Sebastian? Se- okay, me. Okay. Okay, me. Sebastian, do you want to take my wife? I asked. I'm not sure, he stammered. Outside of our play sessions, Sebastian was shy, and not long after, he moved away. But when he returned to the area a year later, we carried on where we left off. But this time, we went on dates too. After a while, I realised Misty had grown closer to him too. Two months later, we took a trip to Las Vegas. Do you want to get a ring? I asked Sebastian. Yes, I think we should. Misty grinned. That night, we bought wedding bands and pronounced Sebastian as our husband. I love you both, he smiled. I felt so grateful to have two amazing people in my life. After Sebastian moved in, we got a double bed and a single one. Then we'd swap partners every night. One day, I had an idea. Why don't we convert the cellar into a sex dungeon? I said. Both Sebastian and Misty were on board. We put in 
We put in massage tables, a cage, spanking benches and three large crosses. Twice a month, I hosted steamy parties for our friends. Fifty Shades of Grey had nothing on us. <laughs> Thankfully, okay? Thankfully, because I can see the photos and ain't no one going to see that movie. <laughs> After the years passed, Misty, Sebastian, and I began discussing having kids. And in time, I had news. I'm pregnant! I beamed. Although the baby was genetically mine and Sebastian's, in my eyes, Misty was much of a mum as I was. For the baby shower, I invited our BDSM pals and our families over for tea. Okay. Happily, everyone got on wonderfully. We couldn't wait to be a family. And later that year, we had a beautiful son, Tom. One day, when he was a few months old, my mum looked after Tom while we had a session in the sex dungeon. Then a few minutes in, You need to get him! He won't sleep! She yelled. I'll be right there! I replied. I realised that it would be difficult juggling our lifestyle with a baby. Oh my god, like as in the mom didn't even take the mom didn't even take the baby to her house. The mom is babysitting the child, right? While this fucking sex party in the dungeon, okay, which let's be real, it's probably just the lower level, okay? It's probably not soundproofed. And they're having like just they're fucking till the room stank, you know, doing some freaky dicky shit, which look I'm all about. But your child is no wonder he's not sleeping, okay? No wonder that child not sleeping. <clears throat> I realised that it would be difficult juggling our lifestyle with a baby. But then the, pandem- but the pandemic hit and our kinky shenanigans ground to a halt altogether. As Tom got bigger, we converted the dungeon into a playroom. Oh. Oh. Whips and paddles turned into soft toys and colouring books. It was sad to see it go, but we knew that it was the best thing for our family. Now, I'm slowly get- getting back into things. Misty always reminded me that she's my property and she's still told what to do. Missy's always reminded that she's my property and she's still told what to do. <clears throat> Tom's four and has three parents and seven grandparents. He's surrounded by so much love, thanks to polyamory. Become a, becoming a dominatrix saved me from a dark place. I was once a desperate housewife, but now I'm the one cracking the whip. <laughs> God. <laughs> okay, you know what? There are just so many different kinds of people out there living so many different lives. Now, before we go any further, I just want a big thank you for Miss Piggy, okay, for coming and joining and voicing some voicing some stories for us. Um, now, I'll be back to you guys in a second. I'm actually just going to walk Miss Piggy out of the Mind Poppers studio. Uh, no, seriously. Like, obviously, I'm a big fan. Miss Piggy, huge fan. I love the Muppets. Um, I'm sorry that we couldn't pay you or whatever. Um, but I'm just so grateful that you came. I hope that you had like a, a positive experience. Well, if I'm going to be honest, I thought this whole thing was extremely unprofessional. And then you are a fat fuck. You are a fat bitch. You are a fat bald motherfucker. You are the dirt on my trotter. I think you were a disgrace. You are a fat cunt. And I never want to see you again. Okay, I'm back. Wasn't she a delight? Um, the interesting thing, right? Polyamory. 
Okay. Obviously, monogamy. I was looking at like some sort of like uh, study done in the US. Obviously, monogamy makes up the vast majority of relationships. I think in the US, polyamory, polyamorous couples only make up around between four and five percent of the couples. Interestingly enough, though, right? This study was saying that, say, uh, your you run of the mill um, monogamous couple, the relationship usually lasts on average between two to five years. However, it was saying that a polyamorous relationship usually lasts around eight years. Okay, so maybe for those of you listening, maybe it is time to introduce a third. You know, I have to say, after reading that story. I think I can rule polyamory out for me. It's just not for me because you know why? I'd be Misty. It's grand, we'll say, for the Dom. But if you're the sub in that situation, like Misty, it's a dog's life, okay? Same sex marriage wasn't legal. First thought, oh, we go down to the pet store and get your collar. You know? Oh, I'd rock her Crocs. I'd rock her Crocs. Then she'd go home, then, poor Misty locked into a cage where that lummox goes upstairs and it's fucking somebody else. And then she comes down, trundles down the steps. I'll oh, do the dishes, do the dishes now, kind of a thing. And then, and then what, what shit for thanks then, Misty gets dragged down to the sex dungeon, the basement, and has the fanny whipped off her. Mm-mm, not for me. Because I know, I know that if I was to engage in this polyamorous relationship, I'd be Misty. I'm not doing that. Now, I think that while there are many stories left to tell from these issues, I think we're going to have to leave it there. Because do you know what? I don't have another accent in me. I do not have another accident me i've been all around the globe um now if you're listening to this on spotify apple what have you and you want access to more episodes to another full episode of stop the press and so 60 plus other more episodes then you can click the link in the description below and it'll bring you to the patreon it's only five euro a month start of the month great time to sign up um and we'll see you over there stay woke Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.